0: Hello, and welcome to Facing Race. I'm your host, Leila schultz Ames. On today's episode, I'm going to talk about racism in Spain. Stay tuned. Okay, so I thought it would be interesting to look at racism in Spain, like I said, because for those of you who don't know, I've lived in Madrid on and off for several years, and I actually first came to Spain, to Salamanca, to study abroad when I was 20 years old, and I instantly fell in love with the country. It wasn't my first time going abroad, but it was definitely the first time I really connected with another culture in the way that I did. I was really just a hundred percent in love with Spain, the culture, the people, the society, everything, the holidays, and it was perfect i mean well, okay, as perfect as as any place can be c- because obviously no no society, no country is is perfect, but there are of course issues like in any any country, there are always issues. Uh, when it comes to relations with race or with uh, women or just LGBTQ rights. There's always issues, uh, no matter how amazing the country is. So today I wanted to sort of take a look at the history of racism in Spain and also talk about where things stand sort of nowadays in, in 2020. So I guess let's just start at the beginning So in Spain, in in 1449, rebels in Toledo, Spain, which actually at one point was the capital, published an edict that you've probably never heard of because it's not super common knowledge, but the effects actually still resonate today. And it was actually the first set of discriminatory laws based on race. So I think it's probably documented, pretty well documented, the widespread mistreatment of Jews in Spain back in those days. And if you've heard of the Spanish Inquisition, I think a lot of times a Monty Python sketch comes up. But Spanish and Portuguese anti-Semitism isn't just a historical artifact. According to a lot of historians, the Spanish categorization of treatment of Jews actually sort of provided the initial sort of discrimination against people of darker complexion. And it kind of gave gave rise to this general concern over purity of blood. Or in Spanish, they call it limpieza de sangre. And it sort of is a concept of biological race. So the discrimination against Spanish Jews peaked decades earlier in about 1390, when a priest incited a lot of these anti-Jewish mobs and started the slogan, convert or die. So about a third to a half, it's not entirely sure, of Spanish Jews, they were actually the largest community in Europe at the time, were converted to Christianity. And that was actually the greatest mass conversion in modern Jewish history. Some of these conversos, as they were known, they, they became really successful. And this was a success that kind of fostered this widespread resentment against these so-called new Christians. So during a period of political instability in the 15th century, uh, the conversos were kind of seen as supporters of the king and they kind of became these scapegoats for a lot of the weak rulers. So in, in some cities, physical battles were actually breaking out between the old Christians and the new Christians, that would be the, the converted Jews. So on June 5th, uh, 1449, an elected official by the name of Pablo Saramiento issued this, uh, basically this order, and it was the first set of racial exclusion laws in modern history. And it barred conversos, regardless of whether they were serious, serious true Christians, it barred them from holding private or public office or receiving land from the church. And this they could prove four generations of Christian affiliation. So obviously they could not do this. But this sentence, if you will, introduced race into Spain and conversos claimed, that it really, you know, this was discrimination. And obviously it was discrimination against them. Uh, So a lot of these anti-Semitism type experts, if you will, um, have looked at this as an example of sort of the first rule or the first type of legitimate racism. And obviously this was not something that only stayed in Toledo this sort of went viral. So other localities kind of followed suit. Um, Cordoba in, in southern Spain, they banned conversos from office and they actually exiled, exiled a lot of them as well. And so a lot of other areas they banned um, them from marrying or uh, when it came to students, a lot of the converso students um, starting in And by Lalith, another another area in in Spain in the 1480s, they were uh, forbidden from attending universities. And then you had, by the 1500s, most of them were barred from universities around Spain, such as uh, Salamanca, Sevilla, Toledo. Um, And then you started seeing by the, the later 16th century as well, a lot of churches were barring them from holding any type of official position in the church. So there is a lot of discrimination, and uh, in, in during that time period, the crime of of which those of Jewish lineage were guilty was essentially uh, they they were thought to be the reason that that Christ was dead. So they were sort of alleged to have had a role in the killing of Christ, and they had this type of original sin. So basically, the the officials, the church officials, were saying that even with baptism, there was no way of getting rid of this type of original sin, and the the phrase limpieza, which is the the purity of blood, which I mentioned, came sort of more into common use, I guess you could say, in the 16th century. And the phrase was understood literally, not metaphorically. So medical belief held that blood was the principle of four humors in the body. And because it circulated, they felt that blood really played an essential role in establishing a person's character. So if your blood was not clean... Clean according to their their ideas of clean, then you are not a, a good person. So this really plays a lot into slavery. Uh, beginning the 1440s, Spain and Portugal entered the African slave trade, which was formerly dominated by Islamic countries, and the discovery. I say discovery, of course, in in quote marks. The discoveries of, of America and the development of a lot of these plantation agriculture considerably obviously expanded African slavery because they needed people to to work the plantations. So between 1500 and 1580, Spain shipped approximately 74,000 African people to America. And this number increased actually to about 714,000 between 1580 and 1640. So along with slavery, Spain actually exported limpieza in 1552 the spanish crown actually decreed that immigrants to america must furnish proof of limpieza So the Spanish deployed limpieza through Spanish America and and Portuguese, the Portuguese actually adopted it as well in Brazil. So in this new environment, this idea of limpieza really began to mutate and it started to begin to refer to an absence of black blood as well as absence of Jewish blood. So you were clean if you did not have black blood or Jewish blood. So in both cases, yes, the idea that impure blood would essentially taint a person's character. And in the 16, about 1604, there was a historian uh, by the name of Fray Provincio Sandoval, and he compared the impure nature of Blacks and Jews. He said essentially that uh, both of them were were bad and that if if Blacks were born or Jews were born, that was essentially corrupting and dirtying uh, the blood. So, of course, in America, in that time, the main target of Limpieza was black blood, and it was used to discriminate against Africans, both obviously to justify race and also to enforce a lot of these these systems as well and that were put in place. But again, this operation really was taken from Spain, and it really excluded people from with black blood from any type of civil or religious office and from Spanish America, this limpieta really expanded to influence a lot of racial attitudes in the British colonies. So by the time slaves were introduced in Virginia, the Spanish had had over a century of experience with slavery. So the American colonies looked to Latin America to kind of help them develop this particular institution. So that kind of became the model, if you will, and at that time, you know, in Virginia, that would have been uh, about sixteen, seventeen. The Spanish and Portuguese colonists already held a quarter of a million black slaves in the area, so they had, as I said, a lot of experience. And interestingly enough, limpieza was not the only thing that came; was not the only type of vocabulary that came from Spain. So. The vocabulary the English colonies adopted for race actually had roots in the Spanish colonies. So I talked before about, about the N-word in a previous uh, episode, um, but negro came into English from Spanish in the mid 16th century and mulato actually came half a century later and ensemble in spanish is is kind of this mix of of black and indian and that became a derogatory word for for black people in english so yeah even the word race came from spain and And it was used to refer to people actually originally of of Jewish descent. Uh, But the interesting thing is that if you look at anthropology, um, there's actually a social anthropologist, Audrey Smeldy. She explains in a book that she wrote called Race in America, that race did not appear in the English language. It was actually something that again was adopted from from spain from spanish and didn't actually start to appear until people think was about the 17th century so while the spanish used blood in this racial context by the 16th century the english examples of this period kind of started to pertain to family relationships of aristocratic descent so it wasn't again until later a little bit later on in the centuries that the English colonies really started using blood in terms of a racial context before it was really about oh I'm related to this person by blood or I'm I'm a noble because my father is but really again it wasn't until they started to get these ideas from Spain that they started to use this idea of oh this person's blood is bad because they're black or they're jewish so therefore they must be inferior and their character is inferior as well so how does all of this pan out in today's society well, if I ask a lot of my non-black Spanish friends, they all say racism doesn't exist, that it's a culture shock, or that America's more racist because Spain is international welcoming and, and America has more problems with police brutality, et cetera. And obviously, of course it is welcoming and there's actually many I- immigrants, particularly here in the center of Madrid. But I, I think it wouldn't be honest to say that racism doesn't exist because it happens in every country. And Spain is definitely not exempt from that. So, I mean, I will say personally for me, I haven't had, I haven't experienced a ton of racist incidents. I've experienced more what we would call microaggressions, right? And those would be people, you know, staring at me or assuming that I don't speak Spanish because I'm black. Or I remember one time a woman, an older woman, she didn't want to let me into my friend's apartment building because she didn't recognize me. And she said, oh, no black people live here. So I know you don't live here. So you can't enter. But, you know, I I think that, yeah, of course, you know, in every country, racism definitely exists. And I've noticed racism in schools as well. Uh, For example, I I teach at an international school just outside of Madrid. And you would think because it's an international, well-regarded school that, Uh, people would be more open-minded. But you know, that's not always the case. Uh, Last year when when COVID hit, a lot of the Chinese students were actually made fun of. And some parents started asking that the the Chinese kids sit at different tables or be separated uh, from the rest of the students. And unfortunately, a lot of teachers and and some of the that admin didn't really stand up to the parents in the way that I, I think they should have and I think they should have just said no this is ridiculous uh you know we we're not going to blame covid on on these for chinese students you know that honestly actually have lived in spain probably most of their lives and are more spanish than they are chinese but you know as a result this year a lot of the the chinese kids are actually doing classes online because they don't want to have any problems or incidents and they don't want to face bullying uh at school so i mean there's definitely definitely issues and And I have noticed, too, not even so much at my school, but there's uh, always the issue of blackface, which I think really is something that uh, for us, as as I say, us as foreigners, that's something that uh, when we notice that is sort of hard to say that that Spain does not have any issues around race. Uh, So blackface in Spain is, yes, is a very interesting thing. I want to say, first of all, that Spaniards, and of course I'm generalizing, but most Spaniards, even my friends or people I've talked to, most of them don't see anything wrong with blackface. During Christmas, los, los Reyes Magos, which should be the like the three wise men, are really the star of the show. So you can kind of forget Papa Noel, uh, who's Santa Claus. Uh, Batazar, who's one of the, the three wise men, is an Arab. And for whatever reason, Spaniards think that he's black. So every Christmas, Spanish men in every corner of the country put on blackface to portray Balthazar. And on there's actually a, a TV show um, called Tu Cara Me Suena, uh, which means your your face looks familiar. And uh, essentially, it's Spanish celebrities will dress up as black artists. It's not always black Black artists, it can be different artists, but a lot of times they're black artists and they perform hit songs in front of judges. So it's kind of like The Voice or, or one of those shows. But the difference is that when uh, they're singing songs by black artists, they have blackface a lot of times. So there's impressions of Neo and Stevie Wonder, Theria Cruz, and it's you know it's a little bit it's a little bit cringe worthy to say to say the least. Um, so why why is blackface still a thing in Spain? Well, th- th- there's different reasons that Spaniards often give for kind of justifying blackface. Uh, one they say it's kind of a harmless tradition that's not meant to be racist. Uh, and you know what? Everybody can have good intentions, and sometimes it's true that intentions may be harmless, but Blackface, at least, again, for most of us Americans, particularly Americans of African descent, blackface is is seen as as being offensive and racist. So eh, that's not a great excuse uh, to a lot of times they say, you know, black. They can't find black people to portray Bazaar, which I mean is in some areas in some pueblos in some small towns that's true fortunately in my school uh we have tony who i'm actually going to talk to later on in the show who he always dresses up um but you know in some of the the bigger cities like madrid or Barcelona, or sevilla i you know i think they definitely could find black men to to play the part so i don't think that's necessarily uh, a good excuse and and they also say sometimes that Spain doesn't have historical connections to Africa like like America does and they kind of say like oh Spain doesn't really have a history of of slavery but again, I mean, as I kind of talked about early in the in the episode, uh, obviously, Spain was, did have a hand in the slave trade. And also, I mean, if you think about it, too, you, there are black people in countries like Cuba and Venezuela and Colombia. And and of course, you know, under the, the order of the Spanish crown, I mean, African slaves were shipped to the Americas. So. This, I mean, the Spanish, they didn't abolish slavery in their colonies until the end of the 19th century, uh, basically. So, you know, there's there's that. And of course, we can't forget the Moors. They actually ruled Spain for for nearly 800 years and they built. Spain's actually most famous landmarks, um, La Alhambra in Granada in the south, and also the, La Mezquita in Cordoba, which is also down there. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think sometimes Spaniards, not not unlike Americans, they kind of want to forget certain parts of their history, and maybe it's kind of a source of shame. I don't know to acknowledge the the influence that Africans have had on their on their culture and their language and And all of that, but I, you know, I think that uh, it's definitely an interesting thing that even in in the 21st century, like something like blackface is still sort of seen as okay and and acceptable. Uh, But obviously Americans, I would say most of us sort of get the the insensitivity of blackface. I think we kind of know the history that that it dates back to minstrel shows and that it's not a flattering portrayal of, of black people. But in Spain, you know, also when carnival comes around, it's not just for Christmas. Uh, you do again see Spanish people in blackface, and they really don't often see an issue with that. So I think yes, sometimes the cultural sensitivity part of it is missing, uh, and and that's something that that could be addressed. Uh, racism you know, also too is is present in in soccer. uh well, what they obviously call football over here. And I read that actually racist chants were were actually common in a lot of matches in Spain. Uh, fan actually went through, I guess, a banana at Dani Alves. He who's uh, He's a Brazilian soccer star who used to play for Barcelona. Uh, there's another incident where the referee actually had to stop a match because the monkey noises um, aimed at this guy uh, who was playing for Athletic Bilbao. Uh, he was from Ghana originally, um, and it was getting out of hand. So yeah, I mean, definitely stuff like that rears its its ugly head in sports. And uh, sports is, is not just a problem in sports. Actually, interesting enough, candy has become a controversial issue uh, with, with race. Uh, there's a popular chocolate sweet that has sort of kind of brought... Uh, brought about this discussion uh, behind Spain and kind of racist images. And, uh, I mean, not just in Spain. Obviously, some some companies are kind of facing a little bit of heat. Uh, but uh, in Spain, it's this company. It's a Spanish uh, chocolate-covered peanut treat called Conguitos, uh, which basically it features a dark figure, with large red lips as kind of its mascot. And there are actually a lot of global protests that came up the summer after, you know, the heat. in in light of everything that happened with um george floyd and there's an online petition that was created actually demanding that la casa that's the company behind the product remove the imagery and kind of issue a public apology but uh interestingly enough unlike brands in the u.s like uncle ben's and aunt jemima uh la casa has actually defended its use of the image and they actually issued a statement basically defending the mascot as being like a friendly character and it's like good vibes so yeah i mean there's definitely some some issues that have to be worked out and and looked at and then in kind of recent uh government issues uh last year spain's national security council actually warned the government about a rise in xenophobia and racist hate crimes. Uh, they were doing a study with the University of Valencia and they found that black people in Spain are seven times more likely to be stopped by the police than white people. And there have been numerous counts of racial discrimination towards tenants and also home buyers as well uh, that are, are, are people of color. So, I mean, obviously, a lot of this stuff is not. As common as in the US, particularly around incidents of police brutality. But I mean, it definitely happens here. Uh, recently, a couple years ago, a Senegalese street vendor, uh, Mame Mabie, actually died uh, of a cardiac arrest. Uh, he, he basically collapsed while being chased by police officers here in, in my neighborhood in Lava Pies in Madrid. And a couple years ago, as well, there's an off duty. Guardia Civil officer who shot and killed a a Moroccan father of two and he would basically said, you know, oh, I had to do it before an hour blows up a bomb. You know, I had to blow him up first. And he ended up getting off or he got a reduced sentence. Actually, I believe last year on grounds of mental health. But I think it is actually a hard Spain to be a hard country for immigrants. Sometimes I know that it took me almost a year to get my residency permit. And that was even with the privilege of hiring a lawyer and, and having you know the resources to do so. So uh, there's a lot of laws uh, for immigrants that make it really hard for them to sort of uh, assimilate, if you will, into the culture. Um, and I think a lot of times, too, the immigration laws are sort of racist uh, when I, when you look at the core of them. Um, there are laws that kind of don't allow you to regularize your, your migration status for three years. So a lot of times that pushes immigrants to employment. That's kind of off the books. And doesn't allow you to have the rights as a as a citizen. So, a lot of racial issues kind of stem from those laws because you do see a lot of uh, people, particularly from African countries, that are not able to get legitimate work, and so they are forced to do things that are kind of under the table, and um, that can result in in a lot of issues so um for that reason i think there has been there has been crimes related to racism and uh in the last few years as well we have also seen in spain an increase in the far right party uh box they call it um that's and i think that's also had an effect on racism and i think that has caused an increase in some some racist issues as well but um just like in any country there is always a lot of work that needs to be done. So to learn more about racism in Spain or just to learn about different organizations, I would recommend checking out SOS Racismo. It's an organization that actually helps to fight against racism here in this country and it also helps out uh, immigrants as well who have been discriminated against. So really interesting work I think they do a lot of a lot of great things. Okay, so our guest today, I'm really excited to have a friend of mine and actually my co-worker, Tony, who is originally from the U.S. He lived in Atlanta and California, but he has called Spain his home for, for many, many decades since the 1980s. So I had a chance to chat with him a little bit about his life as a black person here in Spain. And also to talk a little bit about different types of discrimination he's faced over the years. Check it out.
1: Of uh, of, uh, racial discrimination because there were less blacks in Spain. Interesting. You know, the only thing is that some of them were surprised to see black men and black women. It was like a surprise because they had to say...
0: Because I feel like so, sometimes I feel like that now. Sometimes even in 2020, like oh, sometimes people
1: like in the 80s, there were some religious that when they see you as a black man, a black girl, they will make the sign of the cross. Oh wow. That is they seen the devil. Yeah. So
0: they saw you as the devil. Yeah, this sounds. Yeah, as the devil. yeah.
1: Because the Catholic Church, religion. Yeah. The devil was black actually, so uh, we were so so Catholic. And
0: so they I got it and was a good of friends. Wow. That's number one. And did they kind of like cross the street and things when they saw you? Was it like, I got to get no, away from this? No, they didn't move away from you.
1: They just make a kind of person move. Yeah. Head. And actually really, uh, I'm that kind of person I refuse to think people discriminate me. It's their problem if they do discriminate.
0: Right. It's their loss that they're not it's getting their to know you. Yeah, fucking problem.
1: Right. You know, I feel I am the same thing
0: mm-hmm.
1: apart from the problem. Right. So if you, want to, if you don't want to talk to me, it's your problem. It's not Tony's problem. Right. There's nothing you and can like, do about it. Really, in public transport, don't want to sit close to you because yeah
0: okay. yeah
1: of course that happened in Atlanta I was uh, like, Atlanta wow. it's, it's really love we used to go to to Atlanta Hawks stadium oh yeah yeah um, we, used yep. to, we mm-hmm. all met um, groups of people we met in you know, uh, Peachtree Street the train station and the first three the first three carriages in the train were all blacks. mm-hmm and the four, five, six carats were all white. Rout so white. all kind of separation. Yeah. So that didn't really bother me. So in that
0: sense, it's in yes. some ways similar because to the in, States. In the 80s, yeah. in
1: way. Right. The 80s in Atlanta versus
0: in, the 80s in, 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 in my Spain. Neighborhood, my neighborhood was a black neighborhood. I lived in a black neighborhood
1: all my life. Right. But I think it's changed now. I'm talking about the 80s. So mm-hmm. that didn't really bother
0: me. Yeah, but it's definitely yeah. something you noticed here that sometimes people are like... I but don't want to send next. Well then
1: come the nineties. The nineties when the kind of political groups came in and some some gangs like uh the skinheads. Mm-hmm. You know, that was when we started attacking the blacks.
0: Right.
1: And homosexuals.
0: And that was big.
1: Uh, yeah, if just signed the black, we go for them. Right. The government didn't seem to do anything about that. That's scary, though. That's scary. Yeah. That type of stuff is scary. Especially with the right wing. Yeah. The the, the, the right wing political party moved racial discrimination, actually. Like we had the Black Spinner, the right wing party. And uh, violent discrimination really happened from the 90s from, I think, from the t- 21st of November. That was when they really celebrated the, the death of Francisco Frank.
0: Yes, yeah, so actually, it's funny you mentioned that because when I was just talking to what? Um, one of the teachers about that, because yeah. I, re- I didn't realize that was coming up and they started singing the song. And I didn't recognize yeah, it, it. And uh, then some of the other teachers were like, oh, ooh, would, it's
1: Franco. And uh, I was like, oh, I, I, would, I don't want to say anything. I'll tell you by experience. That was the first time, the only time I had, I had had racial discrimination since.
0: Since coming here. Yeah. And you've been here forever.
1: Man. And on the 21st of November, I can't remember the year now, I, I was teaching, I used to teach in industries, uh, transcanters in the malls and the north is where you have the Cruz, Cruz de los Caídos. Right. That is, is Korea. Right. Or at least they have Franco Berry. So, yeah. All these political and radical Muslim guys, gangs, they used to go and wash people with it. Franco. And they, well, luckily or luckily, I'll put it, that, same, that very day, 9th. Uh, 30 more or less, I got on the train. Mm-hmm. Normally I used to sit in the last compartment. Right. Right. When I got in the, in the last compartment, there were two guys sitting. And when I saw them, I said, uh uh-uh. You just knew there's they're, something,
0: they're, they're, something they're. off.
1: One was backing me, the other one in front was, was facing me. So well, still in. Yeah. So with my bag I was just unlocked. And the 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 guy in front of me saw me, he changed his face. His his feeling. and he spoke to the children. to the his second. friend,
0: yeah.
1: He looked back and saw them. So in. I in. 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 In the moon. So they stood up, I up, they stood up. He started wearing his uh rings to attack.
0: Oh and you're the only one.
1: Yeah, the out the, oh. So I took my bag and I ran out. Oof. And then, when I after running, I said to myself, hey, okay, what should you run for I ran to the train, to the, the train, what call the station master.
0: Yeah. Compl- to tell, to I, say I complained something. Complain about
1: that to him. He told me that the only thing I could do was to go to the first compartment where there a lot of people, so I had to
0: move, and I went to the first compartment, there were a lot of people, and so... You sat down and sat down. and that was it, yeah, yeah, but that's scary, I mean, stuff like that's scary.
1: Uh, a friend of mine was attacked in Montcloi, too. Mm.
0: A, a black yeah, friend, American. yeah, yeah. American. Yeah.
1: yeah. We hit him on the face, not without any, I mean,
0: he wasn't doing
1: anything. It he was minding very, his own because, business. Like, yeah. um, then come the present political party box Right. A lot of discrimination. But for me, no.
0: Yeah, I I think that's kinda what I've noticed too, is like a lot of times it's I mean my experience has been that if I've faced any discrimination, it's kind of more like microaggressions. It's like people looking at me funny or I don't know mm, saying things about like black people or particularly yeah, they make fun you know yeah the, that's, that's a joke it's you know things like yeah, things like that i mean i for, fortunately, I haven't experienced any type of violence, violent, no, violent no, crimes, bad. you know uh, but I mean I definitely think. Yeah, not unlike in the U.S., there are these groups of kind of right-wing people that are very anti-immigrant, and they're sort of, what are you doing here, and get out of here, and, you know, and that type of thing, which is disappointing, because obviously, I'm like you, yeah, I mind my own business. Well, <laughs> <You>
1: know, most of <laughs> you, I notice, like, just do my own thing. If you go on a the public the transport like you, like I do now, yeah. they don't want to sit close to you. On right. The, on to right, you unless know, they have like, to,
0: and they're, they're <laughs> the to, then you, they but, do. Which, you know, for me, in the time of COVID, though, that's better. I'd rather sit by myself. Sure. <laughs> like, don't sit next to me, please. Don't sit next to me. You know. No, but I mean, it's true. It's stuff like that. Like, there's definitely things that you notice as a as a black person in Spain. I feel like
1: they don't look at you strange you now because there are a lot of
0: black men. Yeah, nowadays, I feel like there's more. I mean, especially in... Because, you know, I live in the center, so I'm by no means the only one. Though I think a lot of times people, they think that I'm from Senegal or something like that because mm-hmm. the Senegalese and Moroccans, they live, mm-hmm. you know, in the center. So I think they kind of assume, like Spanish people maybe assume that I'm mm-hmm. I'm like that. So I've noticed that if I walk, for example, and, you know, some of the wealthier white Areas of the center. A lot of times, they're kind of looking yeah, like, yeah, "What's a Senegalese person people. doing?"
1: <laughs> You're out of your neighborhood, man. Because we're blessed. We have that kind of, friend <laughs> that of, uh, we're, uncivilized. We're right.
0: Poor. We're Lazy. Whatever. Aggressive.
1: We don't have jobs. And
0: Yeah, the job thing is is interesting because I remember two years ago, I have this friend, he's a Spanish friend, and I was visiting him, and his neighbor was this elderly woman, and she was talking to me, and she said something about, like, you have a job? And I said, yes, and she's like, oh, usually black people, they come here and they don't work, you know? And I think she's thinking of, like, you know, the people in the center that sell sneakers, you yeah, know, exactly. like the yeah, Africans yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And she was kind of thinking, like, yeah, you know, what? Yeah, that's some, You're a teacher? Well,
1: now, now you say this here. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. 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 I used to have a friend in Tres I worked with them. They wanted me to uh, to continue working with them. Uh, I taught in the academy. Yeah. So we were friends, of course. And... And... After a while, I left, with, I left him. Yeah You know 10 years after that His academy was still going fine in, Like in matters. Nice So one day I just decided to go and visit him I was coming from uh, an Enterprise after teaching Right With my bag So I knocked I at the door He opened the door He told me "Sir, sorry we don't buy Since here We don't buy uh, you know, he thought thing. you
0: were selling something.
1: Because you had the best. So, I said, I said, we don't need to buy it. I said, I say that again. I said, I said, <laughs> I said, I said, I said, I said, I said, I said, But
0: it's like, come on, you know, some some stuff like that, I think there's room for
1: improvement.
0: I think there's room for improvement sometimes in Spain. I think there's always, always room for improvement and for people to have open and honest dialogues about race and for us to sort of understand that sure, certain things are cultural differences, but also certain things uh, maybe are, have, have a, a place in the past and not so much in present day. So, yeah, it was great chatting and thanks to Tony for sharing his experiences. And thank you, everybody, for listening. I'll see you next week.